This editorially independent podcast is supported by Visit Flanders. Hi everyone. Last year, in April, I moderated a panel discussion on the eve of the Tour de Huse called the Lambic Roundtable. It was an event tailor-made for broadcasting in beer bars all over the world, and as you'll hear from the discussion, we took questions live from bars with strong reputations for Lambic in different countries. Now, the Tour de Huse began in 1997 as a cultural celebration of the tradition of spontaneously fermented Lambic beers. It's organised by Horral, the High Council of Artisanal Lambic Beers. This discussion, the Lambic Roundtable, was just one part of the Tour de Huse's rich and diverse programme of events in 2022. Now the Tour de Huse is held every two years, so it doesn't take place in 2023 this year. So this podcast comes as a refresher from last year, but also as a reminder to you all to book in the dates for next year's tour on Saturday the 4th of May and Sunday the 5th of May 2024. This conversation took place in the Food Room of Browery Bone, the location of the largest stock of Lambic on oak in the world. We sat down at an actual round table in front of an intimate live audience who also had the opportunity to follow the stream and ask questions in real time. So sitting at the Lambic round table with me were four guests. Hert Christians is the chairperson of Haral. He's also the owner and blender of Oud Beersel, a Haral member Lambic brewery located in Beersel, Belgium. Frank Bone is the founder of Browery Bone and one of the three founding members of Haral. As well as being a Lambic brewer, Frank is also a Lambic scientist, contributing to several books and documentaries about Lambic. Chloris de Ville is the brewer and co-owner of Browery den Herberg, a family brewery which produces Lambic located in Bösinge in Belgium. At the time of recording, Den Herberg were the most recent member brewery of Haral. Uh, recently there's a new one, Eilenbos, which has uh, become a member. Claudis is also a production and maintenance manager at Timmermans, another Haral member Lambic brewery. And then finally, Stu Stewart is the owner of a tour company called Belgian Beer Me Tours, which specialise in fun, smart and affordable beer tours of Belgium for people from all around the world. Stu has been giving tours in Belgium since 2007, including tours centred around the Tour de Huse, and he's built up a close friendship with brewers, cafe owners, festival organisers and media personalities. So during the evening's conversation, we talked about the challenges of organising such an event after a COVID hiatus, the ways in which Haral is changing as an organisation, how the Mega Blend was produced for the tour, and why the in- internationalisation of Lambic is so important for its future. We also took questions from the bars and their patrons who were watching from around the world. Here are bits of the evening's conversation, distilled for you into five parts in one podcast. My name is Brendan Kearney, and you're listening to the Belgian Smack Podcast. 
Part 1 Return of the Tour Don't want to sleep tonight at all Just want to watch them stars fall But you don't want to try to make up dreams Just to be seen I want to lay here beside you Oh quiet Um, this time last year, we had an event and um, we had Perspex glass between us. Mm-hmm. Because of the Belgian government regulations to do with COVID, we couldn't share a beer. And I see now we're going to have some beers poured. We have a Cubelene from Lindemans, Eau uh, de Creek from the Cam, and an Eau de Hueuse from Eau de Biersel. Um, what's, the, what's the kind of the vibe like this year compared to last year? What, how do you feel differently? And what are you most excited about this weekend? Well, the main difference between last year and this year is that we are actually doing a physical tour de Geuse as well. Whereas last year we've only done the live events uh, online, but there was no real tour de Geuse. We had a map on the website, uh, some videos uh, were taken at uh, the, on different locations at the producers. Uh, but tomorrow and the day after we're going to celebrate. All together, uh, we're going to celebrate Tour de Goes with a good glass of Lambic, a good glass of Goes in our hands. And what's the, what are the preparations like so far the last few days for the event? Is it uh-huh. everything on track? or is? So or... you start immediately with the difficult questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's always, uh, there are always going to be some uh, last minute things, but uh, uh, it's not the first time that we organize this. Maybe uh, for uh, Cloris, this will be a bit more exciting. Uh, as for us, uh, we've been working almost a clock around to get everything done, but we know more or less what we're getting into. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Cloris, you, you know, this is the first time that Halberg are... Um, you know, t- participating in the, yep. in the tour. You've, you've obviously been to the event before, and maybe you've been involved. Actually, with them. I didn't because I was always working at Timmermans. But um, yeah, it's a, it will be the first time that we will attend to as a Horal member. And as you told, it will be very exciting. Um, and the preparations are almost finished as well. So, so what what do those preparations involve? Obviously, you want to make sure people can, you know. You, you can facilitate the people coming in. Do you know how many people to expect? Do you know what beers you're going to be serving? We, we know what beers are going to be served, but uh, how many people to know? We don't, we, don't, we don't have an ID. And also, like, it's not the first time that I will be um, to, uh, guiding or touring some, some people. But it's all in one day, uh, all day um, long. So it's the first time that we really need to block some streets and uh, make a traffic uh, plan. For um, for the local traffic, so yeah, it's it's a it's a huge event. Yeah, yeah. And, and of course you have a big family who are obviously all involved with the brewery. Yeah. Um, 
I guess everyone is hands-on going to be yeah, involved. Yeah, there are no, no excuses. Everybody yeah. needs to work. Yeah. <laughs> You'll understand that, Frank, because obviously you have a family now that's involved in, in the event. Your, your sons, Carol and Yoss, are, are in the brewery. Um, you've seen quite a few Tour de Coups, you know, yes. being there from the start. How, how would you say that 2022 might be different to the ones that, you know, you saw right at the beginning? The first one. The first one. I think the first one was here, and it was in October. Because uh, every year, the third weekend of October, there is annual market in Lambic. And there was a, it was uh, a tent here, so we thought it's a good excuse for uh, a little brewery visit. And I think the first two de Goes, only a few um, breweries that were open. I think we had about, uh, about 100 visitors. Mm -hmm. So it was small, it was nice. And... Uh, we decided to, uh, to go on. So, and this year is really different for me because uh, my two sons, as you know, my two sons are in charge now at the brewery uh, since last year. So you feel and you can so relax a little bit more. It's a bit more uh, relaxed, and uh, so I will be here as more as um, observer, a special visitor. Special visitor. <laughs> um, no, 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 they. Um, they have a lot of questions for me, but uh, I'm always uh, ready for them. You're always there to help, yeah. Stu, you've, um, you know, you've, you've taken a lot of groups, um, I, I presume, to the Tour de Coups before uh, and to Lambic Breweries. Um, do you get a sense that people are kind of, kind of excited again after like, sort of the three-year gap and maybe they haven't been able to do many beer events at all or they haven't been able to travel very much at all? Uh, people are really excited, uh, not only just to travel in general, but uh, specifically to come here, because they've been waiting for a long time. So uh, I expect record numbers next two days. Yeah. Yeah. And are you here with the group for, for the weekend? We are. Yeah. Yeah. This is part of my wild and spontaneous tour. Yeah. And I mean, what are the things that people are most excited about sort of seeing or experiencing? Is it sort of tasting the beers or visiting the breweries or what, what are the things that they like to do? It's both of those things. It's coming here and seeing where these uh, great lambics are produced and uh, to meet the people who do it and to experience the atmosphere and smell the air and, and the warmth and the sunshine and the good food and just the uh, uh, how thick it is in the culture here and how present and how uh, important it is. Uh, you can read about it, you can drink bottles of it, but until you come here and really live it, you don't know it. Yeah. And I mean, you've obviously been to bring groups to other beer festivals in Belgium. Um, yes. Zitos Brews, uh, right. Brussels Beer Festival, you know, some of, the, some of the other festivals. How does the Tour de Hues compare? What, what, what is its unique uh, proposition compared to some of those other festivals? This is the speed dating of beer festivals. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Well, then that uh, you're trying to visit four or five locations uh, each day and spend maybe an hour at the most and then just move on. So it's like, hello, how are you? What do you do? What's your name? Uh, let me taste your Lambic. Let me eat some food. And let me take some pictures. And now we have to go. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And there, there is that sort of great sense of sharing, I suppose. Yeah. You know, and you probably see that now a little bit more that the cafe is open in Obiersel. And maybe you want to you sort of see that back again for, for this weekend. Yeah, the beer house is open. That's going to be the biggest challenge for us, what to expect in the beer house, huh? because we have even a stand on the cherry orchard in the back, but uh, 
Piras is uh, yeah, it's a horeca business, so it's uh, going to be a challenging uh, job there. Yeah, yeah. And and what what sort of events do you then run in Basel for, for the weekend, so people can look forward to? Well, uh, we had in the beer house in the past, we had an old organ, uh, automatic music uh, that was played. And uh, so we rented an organ and we're going to put that in the cherry orchard. So the whole weekend we have the organ music and then we'll have some great food and we'll have a pig on a spine uh, marinated with lambic and uh, uh, people get free tours. Um, so it's just, uh, Tour de Geuse is kind of an event where Everybody's happy, enjoying a good glass of goes and uh, in a good atmosphere. I mean, there's as, as uh, Stu just mentioned, the biggest I think the biggest um, difference be between the other beer festivals that you mentioned is that it's speed dating, so they're actually open. So a beer festival is going from one stand to two meters, another one, and now you actually uh, really visit the brewery. So I think it's the biggest difference. And you're visiting places that some of them aren't necessarily open mm -hmm. a lot of the time, so yeah. it's like a good right. opportunity to, to see them all mm -hmm. you know, together and open. Yeah. Um, have you guys ever been on the bus? <laughs> well, we get these buses. We have uh, with Horal. We have ten buses every day. Uh, but then there are a lot of organizations, groups, uh, tour operators that just uh, organize their own buses. So we never know how many buses we have to expect and when they're coming. So that's always going to be uh, the kind of surprise. Huh? Sometimes yeah. you have uh, like five, six buses uh, at opening hour. And sometimes it's only uh, a couple of hours later that they're all there at the same moment. And then uh, you have long queues. Uh, yeah. And I mean, you know, Frank, you've been, you have quite a lot of experience of the event. Um, in terms of the type of people that come along to the event, is it predominantly beer lambic enthusiasts or is there a lot of local people from the Piotrland Senna Valley that want to really experience their own local culture or uh, both. international? Both. It started, with the, it started with locals and then um, I think uh, 15, about 15 years ago we saw more and more um, visitors from abroad and so um, um, I remember, as I said in the beginning, we had 100 visitors. I think three years ago we saw 8,000 visitors in two days here. Mm -hmm. So um, it just, really became... Just at Boone. Just at Boone Brewery, yeah, yeah. And people, of course, visit the brewery, but they expect also to, to meet the owner, to, to chat, to, to have a so word. So it's a busy for you, a lot of like people. It. Yeah, but we, are, we know that, <laughs> yeah. that it will be like that, yeah. And, and I mean, you know, if you see that evolution, since since it began in what, late 90s to 2022, like do you see it continuing to grow, or you know, do you recognize that maybe there's this is this is a a niche part of Belgian beer culture, or, or how do you see the future of it? Well, it's uh, it, it's um, not easy to. Uh, of course, we uh, the future is always bright, but um, uh, we have to be realistic. So it, it can be uh, larger, but also. Um, uh, there will be probably more lambic producers. It will be uh, more, if they adhere to oral, it will be more complicated maybe to get it organized, but mm. we'll see. And at yeah. the same time, there are smaller and larger producers in oral, and some have a lot of space, some don't have a lot of space. And it's not easy for all the oral members 
to receive thousands and thousands of visitors. Some say, okay, we are at our limits and uh, we don't want to uh, have the tour grown further because we cannot handle the flood of people uh, on that one weekend. So we are working with Horal uh, a lot on uh, the promotion of Lambic beers and Tour de Geuse is one of these promotion of Lambic beers, but we are more working more and more uh, together on tourism in general. And the idea is not to focus uh, all efforts on Tour de Geuse, but to build round-year activities around uh, for Lambic beers that people can come, but they don't have to come all on the same day every two years. Yeah, that can be sort of part of the experience. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I, I know that maybe maybe it's a good time to, to mention that I think last month uh, we lost someone fairly important in the Lambic world um, with the passing of Armand de Belder of, of Driefontaine. Um, he was one of the founders of, um, of uh, Horal along with yourself, Frank. Um, I don't know if you, you have any fond recollections of some of those early days with Armand. Yeah, well, um, we have to go back to the year 1997 when we started with Horal. Uh, first, there was the um, we had a lot of meetings at the House of Brewers with uh, four brewers. We uh, realized the EU protection of our geus. Well, it was traditional geus, and we had to to find a, a correct name that did not exist already, but that was mentioned um, a few times. So mm -hmm. finally, finally, uh, we called it our geus, geus um, Alancien. And we got that protection in February of 1997, and that was very fine. But of course, um, you have to promote it. Eh? It's fine to have a protection, but you have to promote it. So uh, I thought um, the membership of the Lambic Blenders was very important. So as Armand was one of our customers for Lambic World, I went to visit him, and so we, we agreed uh, to start a very big meeting with blenders and brewers at Drie Fontaine restaurants, where we tasted girls and shared ideas, and finally decided um, to create an association to promote a traditional other girls. So, um, and uh, I thought we needed a president, not a brewer, but a blender. And of course, because the restaurant had meeting rooms and the food was very good, <laughs> the beer was very good. <laughs> we it was found a strategic decision to we, nominate Armand. Of course, yes. And we needed a, a third man because you have to be three to start an association. <laughs> and we needed another brewer and that, that was uh, Dirk Lindemann. So we were three to start it in 1997 uh, that way. And Armand, uh, created the name Horal. I thought it was a long name, Hogerad for Artisanale Lambic Beer, but quickly it became Horal and everybody knows it like Horal now, so it's okay. Yeah, yeah. So, and um, uh, that created really um, friendships between the, the brewers, a lot of collaborations, and you see the result today. So, uh, a few years ago, Armand sold his uh, uh, retired. And mm -hmm. Uh, five years ago, he was 65, so he retired, and the new owners of uh, his brewery, yeah, they didn't want to be a member of Oral uh, anymore, very sadly, but okay, I respect that uh, choice. But nevertheless, uh, Armand and I, we stayed uh, very good friends. I, I visited him a few weeks before 
before he deceased, and uh, it's very sad for us. But yeah. Um, yeah. I have very good memories yeah. on Arma. And, and if you guys have, have, have good memories of Arma, uh, in just in, in your own Lambic experiences, I guess? I know Arma from Beersel because I'm uh, in Beersel as well without Beersel. And uh, from Horal, I mean, uh, even on these Horal meetings, he was always. Uh, uh, very interesting and uh, very special Horal meetings when uh, Armand was president. I mean, Horal has evolved a lot over time, uh, but uh, there were foundations uh, put uh, in the beginning and people brought together and uh, there was a lot of enthusiasts uh, that were uh, linked to Horal or to the Lambic sector thanks to the involvement of uh, Armand into this. I mean, he was a figure that uh, everybody wanted to see, talk with him. He loved talking uh, to the people as well. Eh? That was his, uh, his thing. You have to put him in the spotlight you, and you let him talk all day and he can show you, he can tell you how to serve the girls and he can do the whole show. I mean, if you needed somebody, uh, he was the one uh, that was in the spotlight. He wanted to be in the spotlight as well. And that was a great promotion uh, for uh, Lambic Beers. Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, you, you mentioned that, you know, Haral has changed a lot over the years, so maybe that's a good uh, time to go into our next section about the evolution of Haral. Part two, an evolving organisation. very beginning, Frank, we had, what, f six members of Horal? Uh, five, five and then six, yes. Five and then six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we had to convince uh, brewers, yeah. And now we have, with, with the with the Berg coming over, we have 11. So, I mean, when you when you guys started brewing Lambic, was it always an ambition to be part of Horal, or was it something that you kind of fell into discussion at a later point? Yeah, it was, it was a discu discussion at a later point. Um, <laughs> we actually had already our Adegues uh, launched in August um, 2020. And then, yeah, it was, it was, the question was, what is the added value of, of Horal? And then uh, a few months later we said, yeah, we need to be part of it because they actually are promoting the, the tradition, the Adegues, the, the good standards of a good Lambic and a good Goose. Um, and the nice events around around it, and as Frank said, it's also important to create friendships and, and bonds between the producers, the brewers, and, and the blenders. So yeah, in fact, in fact, we didn't uh, ask ourselves the question, but once we did, the answer was quite uh, quickly made, and, and we wanted we wanted we, wa we wanted to join, and yeah. we we went to Gert to. So ask you got a, a knock on the door. Mm -hmm. 
the, the, the Ville family, they're all lined up outside the door. Can you let us in? And what, what, what was your response? Uh, sure, I mean, that is something that we always discuss uh, with oral members all together. I'm never going to take uh, that decision myself, but uh, we have uh, clear rules uh, for um, new members. Uh, we elect our new members uh, in uh, January on the general meeting of Horal. And uh, at least one of the basic conditions eh, is that uh, it has to be a producer that produces or another goose or another creek um, according to the specifications, uh, the protection on EU level. Um, and uh, has to be from uh, this region here, Payotte, Lanz and Valais, uh, the region uh, where orig originally Lambic beers were made. Um, and then uh, we, I mean, the beer has to be in the market as well. So well, we are not uh, accepting members uh, that are planning on making another goes or planning on making another creek. The product needs to be in the market. Yeah, because the realization of Lambic is actually something that occurs over a longer period of time. And sometimes that's more difficult than just stating an ambition to do it. Yeah. I mean, is there, is there a thought that, you know, um, Horal is stronger with more members, while at the same time trying to, you know, preserve the integrity of the organization. Is that a, is that a kind of a tension, or would you rather just it stay as it was for the now? new members? I mean, uh, Ad Birsel joined Horal. Uh, that was 2006, maybe, uh, and then Tilkan came 2010. I assume we had Lambic Fabrik uh, just a few years ago, and now Den Herberg. It's not that we have a flood of new members all the time. This might increase uh, in the next uh, few years, maybe, um, but it's still not going to be massive. The nice thing, I mean, uh, we are different generations in Horal. We are um, people with different experiences, different views, uh, which makes it good, actually, uh, because then uh, we can evolve as an organization. And I don't, and we are not flooded over by uh, new members or new ideas all the time. So, I mean, I think what we've created over the years with Horal, there's a decent basis, and we listen to everybody. Everybody can give his opinion. Um, we take our decisions uh, all together. Uh, it's not uh, yeah. me as a president that decides for all oral members what we're going to do. So, you know, I'm aware that there are, <clears throat> let's say, very strong characters within the Lambic world and within Horal. So, I'm, I mean, Frank, you've been in those meeting rooms discussing membership and new members joining. Um, you know, tell us the truth. Is, is there some tension about letting brewers or blenders in, or is everyone, you know, ambitious to grow grow the organisation? Yes, ambitions, I don't know. It's, it's a practical question. Right? When new um, breweries are created and they are um, an, uh, an extra for the promotion for traditional goods, uh, why shouldn't we accept them as a member? The question is, of course, um, uh, one of the activities of Horal is also working on the, the quality of uh, goes. So we, we prepare um, uh, an adaptation of the EU protection, mm -hmm. uh, we make it a little bit more severe uh, to, to have uh, higher standards mm -hmm. for 
uh, Audi Goethe. And so it's important for us that uh, if, if, there, if new producers are created or, or want to be mem member, that they accept these standards. And have you seen then over time that, you know, as members have communicated more with each other, that the, the quality of Lambic across the board has improved? Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Um, I think there are... Um, Good. There is goods on the market today that was impossible to produce 40, 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. And why impossible? Um, a lack of knowledge 50 years ago, a lack of equipment. You must know in the 1960s, a lot of brewers wanted to abandon their brewery. And a lot of breweries closed when granddad died. So they said, okay, this is the moment. Let's, let's close the brewery and, uh, and sell the land. Mm -hmm. And so um, the way we work today is absolutely uh, uh, the opposite. So Specifically, you're talking about quality of casks, um, temperature control in a lot of things. spaces. Yeah. Um, the whole, quality the whole thing, okay. the, from the grain to the finished beer, yeah. the whole thing is. Um, Stu, you know, the, we're talking about the evolution of Haral and the Tour de Goose has obviously changed as more members have come into it. Basically, you've got more breweries to visit on the weekend. Mm -hmm. How has that impacted how visitors, you know, from America or from other countries approach the weekend? Well, what's, what's your strategy? Are you trying to get as many as possible or do you want to relax on a few? Our strategy is to come in earlier <laughs> and visit some of them before the actual Tour de Goose so we can have a relaxed, casual visit, really get to know the blenders and spend some time tasting all the gooses mm -hmm. in an environment where we're not hurried. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the ones we don't get to visit beforehand, we'll visit during the two days of Tour de Goose. Yeah. And you also have, I think, other events, um, Mont van de Lambique, which this year I think will be between mid-September, mid-October. October, the whole month of October. The whole month of October. Um, the Nacht van de Grote Dorst is also a, a pretty, pretty well-known event. So there's quite a lot of activity, and you mentioned about the Lambic tourism. Have you seen, you know, because you've been taking tours here for quite a while, have you seen kind of a more openness among Lambic breweries to kind of show people around, to, to do more sort of maybe formalized tastings? I think in uh, Belgian breweries in general, I can remember coming here. I, I won't mention the name of the brewery, but I, oh, please I, do, I visited uh, Van Hunzebroek, and I went there, and... Uh, I arrived unannounced and I went to the office and I told them I was scouting beer tours for my, my company and the receptionist said, well, you know, you can buy this beer at the grocery store. I said, I understand that, but we would like to come here and see. So she couldn't understand. Right. Why so, the so then they, they found, uh, they found uh, I think it was Xavier's father at the time. Uh, and he came down and he talked to us and I, I told him what I was up to and scouting out this brewery for possible visit in the future? And he says, well, you know, you can buy this beer at the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> I said, would it be possible to have just a short tour? So he gave me a tour. And at the end of the tour, he, he says, uh, well, uh, there you go. And I'm like, would it be possible to try a beer, to taste one? And they, I think he had to find a glass that was on display and like go wash it and then try some beer. So completely unaccustomed Yeah, and just not prepared for visitors yeah. at all. But, you know, flash forward to how they are now and 
they have a castle for visitors. So yeah. things have really changed in general. Yeah, across the board, there's definitely yeah. more focus on the opportunities that, that exist for, for tourism. Right. But the experience for customers is different as well, I think. In the past, people enjoyed drinking beer from their local brewery, and uh, and you had to drink the beer from the local brewery because there was not a lot of transportation of, uh, of the beer. So you drank the beer from your village, and everybody knew that brewery, but you didn't know the breweries uh, two villages further. Uh, whereas now there's uh, transport by trucks, uh, all the beers are uh, better packaged, are able to be transported. And now customers, they don't just want to drink the beer, they want to experience the beer. And that's as well one of the reasons why we work together with Horal on the promotion and on the tourism part, because we want to offer more that kind of experience. Right. Before the experience was not really the questions, it was just drinking the beer together with some friends in a local bar. And I think also with the, with the internet as well, there's more information available and visitors definitely want information so that that experience can be more yeah, fulfilling. More, more hunger for information as well, yeah. I, yeah. I imagine. Yeah. May I tell a story about the first, one of the first times I met Frank? Please do. <laughs> this would have been about maybe 12 years ago. 12 years. And uh, uh, Bone was not part of this particular tour, but I looked on my map and I knew we were close. So I said, why don't we just stop by We'll look at the exterior of the brewery, and then we'll keep moving. Well, we pulled up, and Frank was in his flower garden with his wife, and they were working on the landscaping. And uh, I recognized Frank, and so I said, hello, my name is Stu Stewart, and we're here on a beer tour, but not a scheduled one with you. And we just wanted to see the outside of your brewery. And you put down your gardening equipment and took your gloves off, and you came over, and you said, well, if you have time, why don't we take a look around? And uh, he gave us a, a wonderful tour. And uh, it was a great tour, but what I really remember is your wife looking at you like, you got out of gardening today. <laughs> yeah, he got out of it. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that, do you? <laughs> Probably not, but I remember. The gardening gloves came off very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. It was a great moment. I have a gardener now. <laughs> I have a gardener now. But there is a, in, indeed there, uh, quite, a, quite a lot of things changed, but the experience, that is so important mm -hmm. because 50 years ago, it didn't really exist. Eh? Mm -hmm. When I was a young guy, we were interested in breweries, but you could not visit them. On the other side, uh, you had guys that were really good drinkers. If you ask them, what beers do you like? What did you taste? Taste beers? I'm a good drinker. Mm -hmm. And they could tell you from all the breweries, that one tastes like that and that one. That. And, and I had some, I tasted some mistakes for that one. And so they could really could taste all the, uh, the, they could express all the tastes from the different breweries. That is different now. Today, uh, customers can express, uh, explain you about tastes, but from Goes and from that beer and from IPA and from white beer, a lot of beers, but uh, less detailed, less details on, on the product. Yeah, yeah. That is a difference. Was, was there an element, though, that there was a bigger diversity of quality among Husa brewers then? Than no, because it was more li limited. So uh, customers with more focus on one beer style. Yeah. yeah. And they would just drink just lager or just ale or just goose. So they knew it. And they would, they they really would go knew. in another bar and say, oh, do you sell the goose from that brewery? No. What, what, what goose do you sell? Oh, that, oh, yeah, that's a good one. I'll yeah, take yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. So they really... They were focused on, on these beers, not tasting 
Yeah. Ten, ten different styles, yeah. and that is completely different today. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Even in the past, when you looked at the menu of the bar, there was just Goes and Creek written on the menu. It was the, the name of the producer was not listed. No, that was a that was a challenge for us. So that was the first thing we did. Listen very well. So what did we do with Horrell? I said to my sales guy, if you go into a bar and and this, the owner he wants to buy Goes Bone. Don't tell him to take away the other girls. Huh? Don't replace. Keep two. Tell him to keep both. Mm -hmm. And the result was that you, you got on the on the list girls bone and girls out Beersel, for example. Mm -hmm. The brands came on the list. Mm -hmm. And before that there was no brands, just girls slash creek and a price. So you Fra didn't know what you get. Frank Bone is not only a great lambic brewer, he's also a great marketeer. That's, we've established <laughs> yeah, that one. I didn't know that at that time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're drinking, uh, we have the, 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 um, the Cuvée de Villet here as well. We also have the, the Lambic Fabrique Bretel um, and um, the, the Tilcan, Eau de Hues. I mean, there is some, you know, that, that kind of is a good example of, of things that are changing. You're a new brewery, Lambic Fabrique are in, I think, from last year. Tilka has just installed uh, a brew kit. He'll not be brewing everything, of course, but the fact that he's going to be brewing his own lambic and blending with the, with the existing wort that it's in that, that he has now is a big change. Mm -hmm. You know, when you were coming in from the outside, um, did you see Horal as a, as a kind of a, a, a organization that was open to change? I don't know if you changed that much. I think they support the same values as they did uh, 25 years ago. I assume. Um, so in that way, I don't think they changed that very much. But just to, to pick on uh, at the, the previous subject, so uh, the bar, uh, our bar is all already open from 2007, and we have um, our public is very uh, wide ranged. So young people, older people, groups, um, couples, and we see already on, on 15 years of the bar existing, we see a lot of. Um, so it's a lot of microbreweries coming in, mm -hmm. no lambic producers, but also the, as Frank told, um, previously you had uh, um, drinkers, consumers that only drank one style, mm -hmm. and now we have a, a whole range of styles, and we see that in the bar as well. So lager beers, um, the the big brands, they don't sell as much mm -hmm. uh, now as they did 15 years ago. I speak for our bar. Yeah. So, but it's it's in Pajotteland, Senevalle, and we see the the Geus Lambic uh, consumption go goes up uh, quite yeah. good, which is which is it's a, a very nice, positive yeah, change. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, um, I think we'll take a short break. Please don't go anywhere, and we'll be right back. Part three. Around the bars.
innovation in taste, I don't know if it's really necessary. If the quality of the lambic and the goose improved for the last 60, 70 years, as Frank already told, and if we can maintain that and improve even, uh, if possible, um, I think that's, that will be a big achievement. Certainly, there will be a lot of uh, innovations and experiments by um, existing members and new members, which, which is nice, which is good. But for me, the main, the main beer, the best beer, will always stay the, the goose. So, so we're talking, thank you for the question, and we're talking innovation um, uh, is, is more in kind of how you produce the beers rather than sort of flavor innovations. Because, you know, we have seen Lambics use different types of fruit that, you know, have been used before. We've seen maybe some herbs and spices used. Um, but that's, that's from A to Z, um, not only machinery and the brew hall, um, also knowledge from malting to, to brewing, uh, oxidation, um, shear forces during pumping. I, uh, a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff. But that's innovation on quality, huh? yeah. So, and that's something that's been going on for uh, a while now, mm -hmm. and that has put lambic on another level. Uh, if we would have, if we would be drinking lambic from uh, 40, 50 years ago today, I think we won't have any, we wouldn't have any customers anymore. Um, but uh, I mean, there's innovation on. Uh, on the quality, there's innovation to reach other markets, which is all, always necessary. Every business has to innovate itself a bit. Do you have to expect the innovation from Horal? I think you need to expect the innovation from the producers uh, from Horal or outside of Horal. Uh, we will, of course, do innovations, it's more evolution, the change that you were talking before, uh, I see that as an evolution, uh, where, we're, uh, where we're heading at with Horal. I mean, this is the second year on a row that Horal is organizing an online event of this size broadcasted all over the world. What other organization of breweries do you know that is organizing such an event. I mean, we all did during the confinement, we did uh, through uh, our, uh, our app on our phone, uh, some interviews one-to-one, -one. but uh, the round table like this and uh, the live event that we did last year, these are innovations that we've been doing with Oral. All the um, tourism aspects that we're going to work on, uh, these are, Innovation, it's the evolution. So, yeah. of so what you're saying is despite no. the fact there hasn't been uh, innovation in kind of, the, the, like you said, the taste mm -hmm. or flavor, actually, Horal is a very innovative organization in your eyes. Well, you have innovation in Horal, but then if we need to go in flavors, I mean, we, we, with Horal, we stand for the protection and the promotion for traditional lambic beers. So Horal is restricted to these traditional lambic beers. And these traditional lambic beers are protected by law. We are as Frank's just said before, we are working on these regulations to make them even more strict. So if innovation is making the, the rules more strict because we want to achieve higher mm -hmm. quality with, uh, with all Horal members, then yes. But changing a product uh, using Lambic for 
making another beer than a traditional Goose in a traditional creek that's outside of the scope of Horrell. That doesn't mean that we as producers are not working on these kind of things. Like if you look at our Beersel, we are doing a lot of these infusions with the spices, mm -hmm. the herbs and everything. Um, the reasoning behind that is because we want to offer different kind of flavors to consumers so that lambic beer, that the step towards lambic beers is less big for a certain uh, group of people. Yeah, you want to make it more accessible. More accessible. Let, let's, try and go to, let's try and go to some of the bars again. Let's try a Triple B in, in the UK. And Worcester, can you hear us? Hey, can you hear us? Yes, fantastic. How are you? Good, thank you. Great. Uh, tell us a little bit about your bar and your event, please. Uh, we're a bar based in Worcester in the UK. We've been open since uh, 2019, specialising in Belgian beers. That's fantastic. And um, I hope you're enjoying this evening. Do you have any particular questions about Lambic or Huse for our panel this evening? We do. I'm going to throw you over to my colleague. Trevor, first question. Hi, Trevor. Hi, guys. Uh, just a quick question. Normally, the tour goes is every other year, and now because the pandemic on weekend, is it on next year or is it every other year? So the question is, I think that, is it, is it on next year because we had it on last year, and sometimes it's on every two years, so maybe you can clarify that. Uh, we have not talked about that on the oral meetings yet, mm -hmm. so that's uh, we have an oral meeting on the 13th of uh, May, uh, so in a few weeks after Tour de Goose for evaluation, and then we we talk about this. In what we've been talking about the last years, uh, or since I've been member of Horal, uh, it's very hard. It's a lot of work for all producers to organize a Tour de Goose. It's not an easy thing, so not everybody is looking forward to organize Tour de Goes every year. Um, the fact that it's every two years makes it maybe a little bit more special. But I think the answer there is that we kind of have to, you know, keep our eyes open to see what's going to happen. And, and hopefully you guys can make it over from the UK. Can we maybe go to uh, Barcelona now? Uh, to uh, Hank? Are you connected, Hank? I am. Yes, how are you? Very good. Can you tell us a little bit about, um, about Lambicus? Yes, well, Lambicus started about eight years ago. Um, I'm from Brussels. I've always been a beer fan and a Lambic fan, of course. And we, we have a shop and a bar. We do some distribution. Uh, we are direct importers from the Fontainen and from the Herbert. Sante. Cheers. <laughs> Product placement. Um, <laughs> yes, that's it. Um, and we're very happy to be in this business. Um, that's great. Um, so from Barcelona, do you have a question for our panel here, or one or all of our guests? Yes, well, maybe, uh, I know there's a lot of new, young, Lambic producers. I was, I was wondering, how's the relationship, or how is Oral going to try and, and get back with uh, Cantillon and Fontaine, for instance, which are the older ones, um, and who are really missing in, in, in Horao, I think. Because of their differences, I know, I know the stories behind it. 
but what is what is the possibility of trying to get together again and I know a lot of blenders and brewers are very eccentric people, but maybe the differences should be, you know, thrown away. And so you, you're, you're yearning for a romantic situation <coughs> where everyone's together. Maybe we'll throw that political question over to Frank Bone. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I can. Frank could be yeah. more informed to, to, to let us know. I must tell you, uh, the two brewers where you're talking about, they are they are a member of the Confederation of Belgian Brewers. So we meet them at the House of Brewers in, in Brussels. So it's not that we don't uh, meet these people. But uh, for uh, one or another uh, reason, uh, Cantillon didn't want to be involved in Horal as from the beginning. And so it's not a problem. We, we do not force uh, brewers to participate to, uh, to Horal. So, um, but they are members of the Belgian breweries, and that's why they meet, we meet them. Of course, we don't know what the future will be. Um, uh, we will see, yeah? but, but I think overall is always open for, for discussions. There is no resistance in Horal for new members, as we talked uh, just before. And uh, they, they, the new members of Horal don't have to be new producers. They can be existing producers that want to join Horal. And I think with the evolution that we are experiencing now with Horal events like this, but then the month of the Lambic in October, uh, with everything that is going on, uh, I think Horal is getting more and more attractive also for uh, existing producers that before did not really uh, want to join or uh, left Oral in the past. I think they uh, are welcome to reconsider uh, their position and they're all, always welcome to uh, ask membership again from Oral. I think you should uh, hold that romanticism close to your heart, Hank, and uh, we wish you all the best in Barcelona. Thank you so much for calling in. Can I? Are Thank you for having us. No problem. Enjoy the rest of the evening. Thank you. Do we have the silver stamp in Vegas? Yes. Hi. Can you hear us, guys? Yes. Yes. Perfect. Perfect. Yes. Perfect. Is, I, I'm, hey. should, should I say good morning? Good yes, morning. Good morning. Yes. Yes. Good morning. Can, can you tell us a little bit about uh, the silver stamp? Yes, uh, sort of our law. Everything goes in my way. Very honored to be here. Uh, the question is how much production of the markets? Okay, so, so how, mu how much of production uh, do you send to export markets from Horal members or from your breweries? And I, I guess how important is that? I think it's different uh, for each brewery. Uh, some, some, some breweries are really working for uh, export, other, other do mainly supply the, the local markets. I think um, in our brewery, I think we do about 60% local market, Belgium, and 40% export. I don't know. Uh, and what about in the Halibut? Yeah, it's, it's only 5%, but... Um, export. Export, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, just uh, because that it's, it's a new product. Uh, not only Lambic, but also the top fermenting breweries that we are producing. Um, we, we are a small brewery, so we, the main focus is, is the local market first. If we can attend that, that demand, then go further, but not the other way around. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And we do about 30% export, 70% Belgian markets. I think for a lot of Lambic producers, Belgian market is really... Has become more interesting. It's becoming more interesting, but it's always been the market for Lambic beers. But uh, people around here in this region especially, they still know Lambic beers. They love Lambic beers. And uh, even in other uh, cities in Belgium, there's uh, increased new interest in uh, traditional Lambic beers. You have more Lambic lovers in Belgium than you have Lambic lovers uh, spread all over the world. So it's not necessarily the case that maybe before or, or in years previously there was more export of, of Lambic than, than there is now. But I think it's more the case for the, the, the breweries that from the beginning were more touristic uh, mm -hmm. and so that had more uh, visitors. Yeah. Uh, so like like the, the Goethe Museum, I think they take 45,000 visitors a year. Yeah, yeah. So it's absolutely normal that you have yeah. a, a lot of... And, and how, how important, Stu, is it that that people can taste Lambic, you know, in America or in Australia or, or in the UK or Spain and before they come, you know, does it, does it sort of, you know, pique their curiosity for, for what that experience will be? It does. I mean... Although I will say that some uh, visitors come here and taste Lambic for the first time mm -hmm. and they're introduced to it. So it's a mix. Okay, yeah, yeah. And not only before, also after the visit. Yeah. Okay, I think um, maybe we can go back to one of the bars for a, for a, for a question. Um, can we go back to, maybe, shall we go back to uh, Triple B in the UK? Hello. Hey, do you guys have another question? Yes. We're going to steer away from controversy and ask a nice question. <laughs> Go ahead. I'd like to know from Frank of the Blue Vat series, which is Frank's favourite. Of the which series? Vat series. Okay, yeah. Um, what is the question what, about the Vat series? Uh, of the Vat series, which is your favourite? Oh, um, I think 31. <laughs> 31, but, or maybe, um, maybe some of the new box because we just launched a new box now. <laughs> I would at least box. give three numbers and Frank, uh, let them buy three bottles instead of one. <laughs> no, it's one box. <laughs> the whole box, no. Um, but uh, from the individual ones, um, 31, because it's the perfect uh, balance. But I, it's very interesting because uh, some of these VATs uh, numbers are more acidic and then I see in some countries they prefer that they they find the more acidic ones, the, 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 the best ones. And then in, in other countries, they, they do not like that. Like locally in Belgium, Belgians prefer more the, the more balanced uh, uh, gozen. Yeah. But there's our, our old customer. So 31, that was my answer. Okay, well, we, we, ha we had a, we're enjoying a few beers here from uh, Mortsebiet, uh, Ode Geuze, Ode Creek Timmermans, and Ode Creek Bone. Um, I think we should uh, maybe make way now for the Mega Blend 2022. That's a good idea. Part four, Mega Talk.
Okay, so uh, Mega Blend, I guess maybe um, it would be a good idea for people that maybe don't know what the Mega Blend is to, to, to sort of say what it is. Mm -hmm. who, who wants to describe the Mega Blend? <laughs> to, say, to say how we came to it or, or uh, what, how it yeah, tastes or what it is. What, yeah. yeah, well, um, it's just, it's just a, a weird idea from um, 2008. Because, as you know, um, this is a brewery, but I have uh, blenders as a customer. So we Bone Brewery supplies work to all the, the blenders. So I know these people, and, and they blend, they make very nice bottles of goods by blending Lambic from different breweries. So the idea of making a beer, a blend from different breweries exists for a very long time. So. Uh, for two degrees, 2009, I thought it was a good idea to try to make a blend with Lambic from all uh, the members of Oral. I think that was not been done before. Thank you. And uh, of course, as an experiment, uh, it was, uh, I like experiments, so uh, <laughs> uh, I thought it was a good idea. So we made uh, uh, 2009 and uh, a part of the Mega Blend is, of course, that when members sell bottles of Mega Blend, a few cents a bottle are given to Horal. So they, it, um, it helps to support Horal. Uh, uh, and so, technically, of course, it's um, not easy to make um, because the beers from the different breweries are, are of course, different. That's why but you spoke in the past tense, he thought it was a good idea. <laughs> yeah, but I was a blender until 1989. I was Lambic blender, so I worked with Lambic from different breweries. So I know my beer and the beer I supply to blenders and the beers from other breweries that I used to have in my blends. So it helps. Yeah, you were familiar kind of already a little yes, bit. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And we're equipped with a nice laboratory to, to do... Um, uh, control, quality control, and to, to have. Yeah. Uh, well, we can ask the, the other guys a little bit about yeah. their opinion about what the Mega Blend represents, but maybe you could tell us what you think the 2022 version has that maybe other versions <laughs> don't. <laughs> I, I, I think I need the sample before I can. <laughs> can we maybe. Uh, you have to refresh. Oh, no, one sample is enough. <laughs> I think you have already. Yeah, yeah is it, is, is my sample yeah, okay. is. Okay. Okay. Yes. Okay. I think I think it's um, Sante. This edition was uh, was again a, a, diffi a difficult one because it was made with lambic from eleven eleven different mm. sources. So that's the most Lacquer. the most breweries and blenders uh, that have ever been in a mega blend before. I guess the other challenge was that you know. You've also you also made a mega blend in 2021. So this this is actually also the first time that you've made a blend two years in a row. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the, the, uh, there is mega every year when uh, at the moment of Tour de Gueuse there is all a huge demand for uh, mega blend. So normally after a few months it's sold out. We only uh, always keep uh, some some bottles to to taste later, um, but it's so sold out uh, quickly. So um, for this edition, as you said, eleven uh, breweries and blenderies. Um, but um, the way 
uh, we, uh, we make this, I make this blend, and I did it with his, their, my son, uh, Jos. Mm -hmm. The second time we did the, the blend together. I get samples, I sample at the breweries. We always take samples, uh, and two samples from each, one for our laboratory, and one sample to check that this, the beer we get the is, no one, is exactly... Is no exactly. one's the, the, the wall over your eyes, when I, yeah, okay? <laughs> You're keeping them yeah. all in check. Yeah. Have yeah. any breweries given you wort that's different to the one that they said they would give you? Uh, no answer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, because sometimes the, the question is, um, in some breweries, some breweries work with really small uh, uh, casks. They have to make blends, and then we, we cannot take samples from all the, the casks. We will take one typical uh, sample, so it will be a little bit different. But technically spoken, uh, it, uh, it works. And then um, we always make a first uh, blend, a model here, and then we decide what beer from our brewery we add. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then uh, it helps us to, to get the whole thing uh, in balance. Yeah. So you have some leeway because you can actually sort of assess what's coming in, mm -hmm. and then you can make that adjustment yes. with, with whatever you've got yes, on stock yes. here. Yeah. yeah. If there is, if it's a bit, a bit uh, if there is, uh, it's uh, too acidic, for example, we can uh, take extra soft from our uh, stock. Uh, if it's uh, uh, too dry, we can have more uh, full, or or the contrary, or um, and I guess the right in gravity, we can uh, we can make a blend. The amounts um, are are different from from different breweries or blenders, I yeah. guess, because they are all of different sizes and capacities. Yeah, but that is not our decision. So It's what so, they give you. So that is, um, uh, in the beginning, some brewers, they, they take part for, say, 10 hectoliters, other for 40 hectoliters. So, so uh, yeah, it's an extra challenge. Okay. So, so uh, Claudius, you've been involved this year in the, in the mega blend. Uh, paint the scene, Frank Bone and Jos Bone walk in. Yeah. Open the doors of the cat, the bar, and the brewery. They come through with their, are they, are they with their containers to take samples, glass bottles. But uh, <laughs> um, no, it, it was it was nice. We we tasted some um, some barrels, um, and yeah, it was it was a nice a nice afternoon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's all you're saying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you you you've been involved in this process for a while now, sort of. So you're kind of used to it. But is it, is it still? You know, a fun afternoon for, for the Bones to come in and, and talk about what happened. Uh, we have to do that again, Frank. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's been yeah. a while, but we've been working uh, yeah. already for a long time. We know each other for a long time already, so he knows also what to expect from our beer. So, yeah, yeah. We can, we can discuss the taste and quality just uh, by phone or mail, and then we know. With uh, complete honesty. And yeah. The, yeah. Okay, yeah. that's good. Yeah. Stu, um, I mean, we're, we're talking about the Mega Blend here. Um, you know, let's be cynical for a second. Is this just a, a, a kind of a, a gimmick from Haral, a marketing ploy, or is this something which has a real value as a beer that represents all the values that, that Haral sort of speak for? Oh, it's completely a gimmick, but we buy it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you get balanced beer. <laughs> I, I'm joking. I'm joking, of course. Yeah. It's a big deal for uh, international visitors, especially. People want to buy it. We, we wanted to buy it yesterday, but it wasn't released. So we were all excited about it being released today. 
and uh, we were at the uh, Lambic Visitor Center, and they didn't have it yet. To, well, they had it, but they were, I guess they weren't releasing it. So, yeah, it's a big deal. People look forward to it. They want to buy some to consume while they're here and to bring home with them. And uh, like you pointed out earlier, this is a little different situation in that there was a 2021 Mega Blend that almost nobody from outside the country got. So I think that's going to become the rare coveted one amongst the beer enthusiasts mm -hmm. slash geeks because it was, the, it was the year that didn't exist in our lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this one has, uh, we have uh, limited the volume of this one because we launched the Mega Blend last year. So there are less bottles of ah. Mega Blend uh, with this so, edition. So this will be rare too. Yeah. This will be rare. And this is, yeah. if you look at the labels, I mean, this is a complete new label yeah. for the 25 years of Horal. Right. This is a festive uh, edition uh, yeah. with firework on the bottle. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so extra special. <laughs> but I mean, you know, I mean, we're, we're, and the taste is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, guys, tone it down, tone it down. <laughs> no, but it's, you know, I think there is a there is quite a bit of a romance about the Mega Blend because, you know, it 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 is this you know collaboration where you know all these completely different producers who are, who happen to be producing the same type of beer um, contribute to to make this one other thing, and, and you know, a few other beer styles can do this because. You know, at the heart of Hughes is blending. Yeah. So it is. There is some romance in it, actually. This is what we stand for. We even a brewer has to blend uh, different lambics to produce a goose. So this is what all oral members, all lambic producers are doing. They're blending their lambics to produce a goose. And now we're blending lambics from 11 producers together, which is very unique. But at the core, Mega Blend explains what. Our activity is as a uh, lambic producer. Uh, other breweries in general do not blend, so this is very unique. And Mega Blend puts that, puts that in the spotlight. Absolutely, yes, you. Uh, this is like the Olympics of of beer. So we have speed dating, we have Olympics. Mm -hmm. yeah. This is getting uh, better, very, but very active. Yeah, it's all these different uh, organizations coming together for one good cause. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you know, in terms of the construction of it again, you know, I don't want to let you off the hook, Claudius, because, um, you know, you obviously had a conversation with the Bones, with, mm -hmm. with Frank and Jos, but you probably had a, an internal conversation with the family as well about which you were going to select. Yeah, it's, it's a question of age. And, uh, but in fact, no, we, we just looked on the age and um, Jos and Frank were there. And as uh, Frank has a, has a saying and... Um, I tend to, to attach a lot of value to it. Um, I will say it in Flemish, je moet de rij kunnen aflopen. In fact, it means you have to be able to let taste each barrel in a row. And that's what we did. So it, it's, it was not the case that uh, two hours before we were tasting, uh, I'm going to taste that barrel mm -hmm. and that barrel, because he's smarter than that. He has the control bottle with him, so <laughs> no excuses. Yeah, yeah. So if Frank comes to your brewery or blundery, <laughs> he tastes the whole row. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And you don't <laughs> skip a barrel. <laughs> no, I don't, but um, um, the whole row, that's a word from my predecessor, uh, René de Witt. And uh, it was, uh, for him, it was the word, a word of quality. If you, of all your casks are in perfect condition and you clean them perfectly and everything is okay and then you brew Lambic, all these casks, they should have 
about the same taste. You see, it is, of course, if there are new ones or you, you use a cask from winery, yeah, winery and that, that or, is different. Yeah. But, but just for, uh, if you use uh, lambic casks that have been in, in service for a long time, normally uh, you go along the row and all the casks should taste the same. It means that the work was done perfectly. Yeah. So you don't have to, uh, to take that one and that one and that one and then um, yes, I remember 50 years ago, other rows with uh, a cloudy one, a sour one, and a problematic one, other problematic, a good one, and then... Places uh, that you didn't want to taste no, the and, and yeah. all these breweries, they are not yeah. in the, the market anymore. Yeah. They don't exist anymore. Yeah. And I mean, is there any particular extra challenge in dealing with 11 worts? Or is it, I've got my process down over the years and, you know, obviously yeast will be taking that on. Or is 11 getting to be, to be more challenging? It depends on the, the breweries and the blenderies. Mm. If quality is okay, it's not a challenge. If, it's, if, it's, uh, if there is a, a problem with, uh, with stocks, I mean beers, beers that are too young. Or, uh, or problematic beers, okay, then, then, then we have to discuss, but... As far as um, our, uh, this case, our, our uh, last edition, it, mm -hmm. there was not a, a problem. Yes, so we will see with the new, with the new uh, uh, blenders and the new uh, brewers. Um, but I think our new standards are very high. Mm -hmm. And so um, uh, I think an important thing, and that is also an, an answer to your question mm -hmm. about innovation, I think a brewer has to learn the rules before he can break them, you see? Starting with new ideas is very good, but the first thing is learn to make a very good beer. And you have to try and, and learn about how malt is made, what the importance is of the different varieties of barley, how you can malt them, how you can uh, store them, use them in brew house. And then, and then the influence of brewing water, etc. It seems very, very normal, and and it's in all written in all books, but um, it is very, very important uh, for the quality of the beer. But I think that which, uh, which we think as a new member uh, is is a good case, even to to tighten and to strict the, the rules. Yeah, because it's it's. Uh, Again, it's a quality... Um, yeah, I mean, also you're being pushed to, mm -hmm. to, to be the best that you can be as a lambic yeah. brewer as well. We cannot accept that such a beer becomes, say, a tourist trap of, okay, quality is not okay, but the story is very good. Mm -hmm. We cannot accept that. Yeah, it all has to come in, the, in, in one package. Okay, that's perfect. Um, let's, uh, let's enjoy a little bit more of the Mega Blend and then maybe move on to uh, our, our last uh, question and answers section. Part five, international appeal. Like a candle I just burn away 
Some, uh, some, some more beers. We have the, 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 the truck, Eau de Cuse, Cuvée, and we have the Eau de Creek from uh, Hansen's Artisanal. And I think uh, we have a bar, some bars on the line. Um, maybe we could go to um, Ebenezer's in Lovell and Maine. Are you guys online? Hey. <laughs> hey, great to see you. How are you? Hello. Is that Chris Lively? Hey, hey, Frank. The Lambic Stompers in the house. Hey, so I think a lot of a lot of Lambic enthusiasts will be very familiar with uh, Ebenezer's, but maybe for, for those watching in other countries, you can uh, talk a little bit about your bar. Well, uh, we uh, serve traditional Belgian beers. Uh, we started with Trappist Bells. They were the easiest to come up. Um, and then uh, we basically got our hands on Lambic. And then uh, we basically take in beers, Lambic beers from all of the producers, all of the brewers, all of the blenders, um, and it's become an integral part of what we do here. Fantastic. Um, do you guys have a question for, for one or more of our, of our panelists? Well, you guys answered every single question I had during the roundtable. So I just want to say thank you from the bottom of our hearts that you guys work so hard to keep the product traditional in a world of ever-changing fads and what's the newest thing out there. Um, it's refreshing that you guys keep everything uh, so traditional. We love you guys. Oh, we love you. Thank you so much for, for, for joining the chat. You know, how does that make you guys feel when, you know, the, 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 the tradition of, of, of Haral and Lambic you know, goes across to places like, you know, beautiful Maine in the States and, you know, we had, we had visitors from other countries, like... I mean, uh, if we want to grow out of Belgium, it's very important to have uh, supporters all over the world. Uh, you see that Lambic is a niche product. Eh? In, in Belgium, uh, there, uh, it's a bit more wider spread uh, to the public than uh, in other countries. In other countries, it's uh, very niche, so we need uh, bars like Ebenezer's and uh, Silver Stamp and others uh, to promote Lambic beers and to explain the story, because if you give 
people just a glass of goose without anything else as explanation and you say this is a beer from Belgium try it it's like oh what is this this is completely out of their frame uh, of uh, expectation mm -hmm. so then it's a shock to these people so you need ambassadors all over the world to promote uh, traditional lambic beers and I mean Frank maybe you can explain a little bit because in the past I mean uh, there was uh, lambic beers there there have been a lot of producers that closed down, that uh, stopped uh, their business. And I think at that time, the international uh, awareness of Lambic, the support of Lambic has also helped to put Lambic beer a bit more in the, into the picture in Belgium as well. Yeah, that was the, a question of the 1980s. I, I remember the first guys going to New York to sell um, Belgian endives, Witloof and mm -hmm. And, and beer and uh, and so um, they were very happy to to sell a few crates and um, and it was really the start and I think we started to export to the United States in 1990 and it was just um, I had a phone call from Michel Morgat and he said hey Frank we have a customer in the United States and he is asking for girls I don't know why, but he's asking for goods. Can can you supply him? Say okay. Uh, what does he need? And and finally, that that's how it started uh, for us. But export in the beginning was really small for all breweries. Mm -hmm. uh, large the larger Belgian breweries uh, have a tradition of exporting beer to France. Mm -hmm. So France, Holland, and not to Germany, um, but France and Holland were the first markets for and large markets. So the largest Belgian breweries sold huge quantities of beer to When you look at the population France. of France compared to Belgium, no, it, it makes sense and it's a neighboring yeah, country. Yeah, but so, uh, and in the slipstream, uh, Goes was sold, but mainly not the traditional uh, one. So that was not a market for, uh, for, for, for our brewery. Yeah. A, more for uh, sweet fruit beers. But, yeah. um, Here's how I see the international appeal changing. I started my wild and spontaneous beer tour maybe 10 years ago. And at the time, it was all Americans but, and Canadians and Australians. But on this tour this year, for example, we have people from the United States, but also from uh, South Korea and New Zealand and the Ukraine. First time for those three countries. So. And that just shows that, you know, that, that it's yeah. spreading out, yeah. the, the word is spreading out. I mean, the, the interna inter internationalization is one element of it, of course, but you know, we started the evening talking about how um, Husa is also of this region and actually the, the kind of interest in it has grown. Um, you, you know, you, you have in, your, in your cafe or in your bar, you said that people are coming back to Husa. You know, mm -hmm. is, is that, what do you think the reason for that is? So is that the reason? That What's the reason that, that the locals reason? are coming back? It's the quality and also the um, um, uh, mentality which is changing, I think, a short, short chain uh, production, local production, but also quality and um, not a basic thing. Um, I think the experience thing, uh, as Gert also told, is, is becoming more important. And, as Frank as well, so not dedicated consumers to only one style. Mm -hmm. um, but even though we see that yeah, local beers, uh, traditional beers, in our case, um, 
which is local. Uh, lambic and goose, they very are arising in, in uh, quantity. Yeah. Well, we had a, a couple of questions come in on the chat. Uh, one of them was, if, if it was my first time at the Tour de Fuse, how should I approach it? What should I do? <clears throat> what, what's, what should I aim to, to cover on a first tour? So, I mean, you're obviously dealing with people that, that come regularly. What, how are you advising them? How would you answer that question? To pace yourself and don't try to see too much. Enjoy yourself at each uh, brewery or blender. And um, if you get to visit uh, three, day, three that day, that's okay. Don't try to do too much. Just en enjoy the journey. Enjoy the experience. Mm -hmm. And obviously, there, you know, there's a lot of different types of breweries on the tour. You have breweries which are slightly bigger. You have breweries which are maybe only open on certain times. Mm -hmm. You know, is it good to try and get a, a feel of kind of the diversity of the types of breweries and blenders that are, that are here in the Peotalan and Senna Valley? Sure. And another thing to take into consideration is um, the times of day you're there. So... We sort of know who has food, so we're there at lunchtime and dinner time. And if we suspect they don't have food, we go when early in the morning or middle of the afternoon. So, so it's yeah, it's all about planning. Yeah. Maybe we could uh, take another question from the live audience here. Maybe uh, Yannick, I see Yannick's hands. Do you have a question? Well, to maybe go back to the bigger plants, I was just wondering, do you have to as protected European products? So the question was just for people that didn't hear: <laughs> You have the the mega the, the mega blend Eau de Fuse, mega blend Eau de Creek. When can we expect? <laughs> nope. <laughs> From someone else. <laughs> no. It's not going to come. And for what reason? Well, not for technical reasons. I have uh, th there are. Um, um, technical reasons why I do not, uh, I cannot make it, or, or, or it's too risky to make it. Can you hint at one of those reasons? No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the question is, uh, if you make a blend, and um, it has to be technically okay. I mean, re-fermentation is okay, foam is nice. Uh, if you do this with uh, Creek, and for example, one of the brewers, they, they send beer that has been too long on the cherries and has a lot of pit grease in, in the beer, it will ruin the rest and the foam will, will drop. Huh? And, uh, or it can be the cause for gushing. So I have to do a lot of tests on that. And, uh, it all comes back to the question of quality, and of you, quality. Know, you guys have been echoing this all evening, of yes. course. Mm -hmm. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. That's, that's the reason. But there are too much, too much question marks, and, and, and the question is, is it something better than, than what you can buy in the breweries? Yeah. Mega blend is, is fantastic because the quality of goose comes from the blending, mm -hmm. as you said before. One, two, and three years blending, and from eventually from different breweries, mm -hmm. or from one brewery that makes different styles within his brewery. It's mm -hmm. possible. Yeah, but um, for Creek, um, for Creek, it's a, it's not a no maybe for, it's a no maybe, maybe maybe a duo blend yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or a trio blend. I, I think what he's trying to say is too many possible points of failure. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. 
There's a couple more questions coming in on the chat. Um, I love the Old Bristol beer boxes. I think it's a fantastic idea. Why aren't more producers selling Lambic or Hughes's in bag and box? Hart, can you? Well, there are some producers that sell Lambic in bag and box. Uh, we just have a special solution uh, that uh, is pressure resistant, uh, that we don't have to uh, cool our Lambic uh, and that we can ship it worldwide. Um, so, but that's an innovation that we've been working on and looking for for over 10 years. Um, that was my my idea behind that was uh, because of the bars. Uh, in the past, they sold uh, Lambic to the consumers from the wooden barrel. And then when I started without Beersel, uh, I had people coming in and uh, wanting to buy Lambic from the wooden barrel. But if you put, if you take Lambic from the wooden barrel and you leave the remaining of the barrel like that, uh, it's not that good for the quality of the, of the Lambic, not good for the quality of the barrel neither. So we started filling everything in uh, bagging boxes, uh, emptying a barrel at once. But then you see that uh, because the Lambic is alive, there's still carbonation uh, being formed. And then the regular bagging boxes, they swell and uh, it's it's hard to control, or your lambic needs to be completely fermented. I mean, it's it's hard this, to know when it's completely it's the, fermented. It's the same with a lot of elements yeah. of lambic production, though. It's you know, you're not sure of what's going to happen, and there's a lot of control required, so everything can can be a little bit risky. And um, I mean, we're coming towards the end of the time now, so I, I guess maybe one question I had for the table is um, just about looking forward a little bit for Haral and for lambic generally. Um, let's say, let's go 15 years in the future. Um, it's obviously impossible to predict what's going to happen, but do you see the quality maintaining and, and continuing to improve? Do we see more producers? Um, is this a, a niche product that will the bubble will burst and you know people? What, Claudius? How do you see it happening? I think that the both things that you mentioned will, uh, I think, quality will maintain and improve. So improve and uh, more blenders and or brewers will attend to to join uh, well, that's for sure, but as we saw the last fifteen years a lot a lot will will and can happen. The consumer that enjoys lambics is not your average cat, at least not internationally. The con the consumer that enjoys lambics, this is a big part of their identity. The uh, knowledge they have, uh, the common experience they have with other Lambic enthusiasts, uh, bragging rights, rare beers, uh, number of Lambics they've tried, uh, their knowledge on vintage Lambics. It's a huge part of their identity. And all you have to do is look at social media to see that. Uh, other styles like doubles, triples, Trappists, they all have their enthusiasts, but the Lambic enthusiasts they take it seriously, and I think that number is just growing every year. Yeah, and it, it's because it is so different, yeah. and you know it does require an investment to understand and appreciate it. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think we, we had one more question come in in the chat, and it was uh, to Frank: um, Are are you officially retired now, or not? <laughs> <laughs> officially, <laughs> officially yes. <laughs> but uh, do you feel a brewery is like a monk. Yeah. <laughs> brewery is like yeah. If you if you start a brewery, it's like uh, to go in in the monastery. And finally, you don't stop that at sixty five. A brewery. Uh, it's a vocation. 
It's a vacation, yes. And it's it's 24 hours, seven days. And well, it's, not a, it's a lifestyle, I think, eh? in Lambic, especially Lambic beers. It's you have to be working on your business all the time on the beers. Uh, you cannot just go away two weeks uh, leaving your barrels uh, like that. Maybe we need to ask if tomorrow Frank is gardening and Stu comes by. <laughs> what would you do? <laughs> Take off the gloves or you keep them on? Yeah, yeah. As I said, I have a gardener, so. <laughs> <laughs> that's it for the conversation today thanks a lot to the live audience who were there on the evening uh, to the bar staff the chairperson of the Lambic Stupidus Johan Juan and Madeleines who helped coordinate with the pours to Visit Flanders and Bitstream on production and to all those people watching around the world in the various bars this is your reminder to um, put those dates in your calendar for next year Saturday the 4th of May and Sunday the 5th of May 2024 Get those dates in there, and maybe I'll see you on the tour. My name is Brendan Kearney. This has been the Belgian Smack Podcast. Until next time, love what you do. (laughs) 